you won't miss the service if you step out for a moment. I want to invite up Jason Sturenberg. Jason works with navigators in Ukraine, and Jason and his wife Emily and their daughter Gemma. Yeah, you can do that. Just don't spill. Your feet will get wet. (laughs) So we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to share through Jason today. Um, Emily could not be here. She is currently how many weeks pregnant? I don't know weeks, but we're due on Thursday. Due on Thursday. Okay. He's currently five hours from his wife and soon-to-be child, and so we prayed that the Lord would just work those details out while he's up here ministering to us, and so... um, I I told him to stay in there. You told him to stay in. Okay. So I think we're okay. We're okay. All right. I think you're going to enjoy Jason and what he's going to be sharing today. Would you just simply bow your heads with me as we pray over this time together in the Word? Father, thank you so much for what you're going to do in this place today. We ask that your Spirit would speak to our hearts speak through Jason. Thank you for him being here today, and uh, we just lift his family to you, and we just ask for a blessing over this pregnancy, and Lord, that you would just, your grace would be all over that. And we just thank you for Jason and all that you're doing through him and his family. Use him today to speak into our lives and encourage us, challenge us, strengthen us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Pastor. Well, good morning, everyone. Yeah, my name is Jason, uh, and I don't know if we have the picture here. You can go to the next one. There we go. There we go. So this is my wife, Emily, and my daughter, Gemma. Gemma just turned two last month, and yeah, we're expecting baby boy this Thursday or around that time. And my wife and I serve with the Navigators in Kiev, Ukraine, and so we are the college ministry leaders there with the Navigators. But a little bit of context for who I am, why they gave me a microphone uh, this morning. So I actually grew up in Claire, Iowa, so not far. Woo-woo, Claire. And, uh, and, and I think the most important thing probably to know about my upbringing there is that I grew up with this idea of God. And really for me, God was only that. He was just an idea. And I never really got to know him until my cousin approached me and started asking questions. And I'm sure you've had this before, but started asking questions. I started questioning myself, what do I really believe? And that was when God got a hold of my heart. He shattered the perception of himself as an idea and became a real person to me and started meeting with him face to face. And so that's when I received Christ. And that was before I went to high school at Manson. And it was there that I stumbled across this uh, group of young people that were attending a faith Lutheran church. Have you heard of this church? A strange group of people. But what happened was I started meeting with these young people, started seeing the ministers, and what happened was what God formed two desires in me. One was I wanted to know God deeply. I was passionate about knowing him. And the second thing that happened was I wanted to start helping other people know him. Isn't that incredible? So I, I kind of have just like a pause in my notes here just to say thank you. Thank you for investing in your young people. And, and I would say keep, keep doing that. You never know where God may put them in the future. So it was with those two passions that I, I went to college, went up to Dort College in Sioux Center, Iowa. Woo, Dort. And now it's Dort University, actually, so it's not even college anymore. Dort University. 
And there, I, I found with those two passions, wanting to know God deeply and, and wanting to help other people know him, I was incredibly frustrated because I thought, okay, I've gotten to a point, but I can't quite get there. I don't know how to do it. And it was right at that time that God introduced me to the ministry of the Navigators, which sounds really official, but really I met one guy named Brandon Wilson who had started a Bible study, started meeting with guys one-on-one, helping them grow in their walks with the Lord, and then challenging them to do the same with others. And so that was really the first time that God... Yeah, it equipped me, I think, to even think about my personal ministry. So I started praying for guys, started investing in them, started growing in my own walk with the Lord, started enjoying God deeply. And it was from that place that as I got closer to graduation, I said, well, shoot, I want to do something. I, I'm feeling this calling towards ministry. I loved my major. It was like graphic design, video production. It was great. It, who doesn't want to go make movies for a job, right? But I loved ministry more. I was like, man, I got to pursue this. And so I went on an internship, a two-year internship with the Navigators. Uh, there happened to be an, uh, an opening in Ukraine with the long-term missionaries there. So we went on a team of four, and we served, and we met college students, and we spent our time with the lost, and uh, got to see kind of what is life as a missionary overseas. Coincidentally, I fell in love. That wasn't my plan. Obviously, that was Jesus' plan. And so Emily and I were married, and I came back in 2016. Uh, she was on the team as well, so I got to see kind of, wow, this is a girl I really want, so I married her. And so we got married in 2016. We moved out to Colorado. We were kind of taking a step back, thinking, okay, what's our calling now together, right? What is God calling us to together? And during that time, we were serving for two years in kind of an interim role as the short-term missions coordinators, helping mobilize. So we were recruiting, we were training and sending young people from Navigators Ministries uh, all over the world. We got pregnant. Uh, we accepted our call to go to Ukraine, and then we had Gemma, and we fundraised, and then we launched uh, just this last year uh, to Ukraine. So we've been there for a year this time, uh, two years previous, cumulative three. So yeah, baby on the way, and we're looking to re return to Ukraine early next year. So it, if you missed all of that, that's totally fine. Uh, what from my story is, is true is missions is really on my heart. Missions is on my mind. This is kind of our daily grind uh, for my wife and I. And so it's out of that experience that I want to speak this morning. I think I'm pretty good at titles for sermons. So I, I titled my sermon this morning, Psalm 67. Uh, but the subtitle is probably more important. Enjoying God for the joy of the nations. Enjoying God for the joy of the nations. And my point there really is I want to talk about being so happy in Jesus, that we can't help but tell the world, not just others, but the world about him. So here's my outline. There's only seven verses in Psalm 67, so really accessible for us this morning. I want to look at enjoying God and then look at joy of the nations, okay? So we're just going to break it into those two things. And then at the end, I'll tie those things together and we'll close. So that's my outline. So enjoying God, turn to Psalm 67 if you haven't already. If you're looking for Psalm 67, uh, find the Psalms and then go to number 67. <laughs> go past 66. If you hit 68, you've gone too far. So that's a quick roadmap. That was me buying time so you could get your Bible. Enjoying God. And the question I want to ask to kind of draw this out of the text is what is God's desire for you? And for me, what does God really want for you and for me? 
Psalm 67. It starts like this. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. The first word you'll notice in Psalm 67 is may. Other language in, in, the, in the scriptures, but specifically in this psalm, is let. This idea of allowance, right? And really what it's pointing to is, is a dependence. There's a giver-receiver relationship established from the immediate text of Psalm 67. And so the first thing that I see about what does God desire for you and for me is God desires for us to depend on him. He desires, and I think at the heart of that, God desires that we trust him for what we need. And there's three words that, that are used. It's may God be gracious to us, may he bless us, may he make his face to shine upon us. And one of the things I love about scripture is that scripture interprets scripture. If you ever have a question about what the text means, go to another part of scripture and let that part tell you what the other one means. And so we see that right immediately here. What does it mean, this is the question we're asking, what does it mean for God to be gracious, to bless, to make his face shine upon us? Let's go to verse two. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. God desires, what does God desire? God desires to make his way known to you. God desires to make his saving power known to you and to me. And so as we ask the question, well, what does it mean? What does the first one mean? What, what, if he were being gracious and blessing, making his face shine upon us, well, that, that's really reached in God making his way known to you and me. God making his saving power known. And what's the clearest, right, we're using the language, what's the clearest picture of God's saving power? It's Jesus. Yeah, there we go. That was a rousing answer. It's Jesus, Right? So how does God be gracious? How does he bless? How does he make his face shine upon us? It may be that you woke up this morning and you said, hey, praise God, the sun is shining. That, would, that might not mean so much to you, but in Kiev, uh, our teammates just told us it's been seven straight days of cloudy and the sun is setting at 420. So seasonal depression is very real in Kiev. And, and so the sunshine, I woke up this morning, I just went outside and I stood there. I was like, oh, praise God. Like that's God blessing, absolutely. Praise God, he blesses with sunshine. Or maybe, maybe you just got over a cold. Right, and he just healed you of this cold. You had a runny, snotty nose and your sore throat. It went away. Maybe God, man, he just made his face shine upon you. It's gone. Or maybe you recently, I don't know, lost a job. And God, and God was just gracious and he said, here's another one. You know, praise God. That is him blessing, being gracious, making his face shine upon us. But I would argue this. I would say that the most clear, climactic display of God's saving power is in the work and person of Jesus Christ. Consider Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's God blessing us. Amen? That is a blessing. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Or Titus 3, 3 through 5, here's Paul not pulling any punches. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another, while we were still sinners. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, 
but according to his own mercy. So how does God be gracious? How does he bless? How does he make his face to shine upon us? It's in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, I said that my point was enjoying God, right? We're looking at enjoying God. What does God desire then for you and for me? He desires that we enjoy all that he has done for us in Jesus every day, every hour, that we enjoy what God has done in Jesus. I have a little asterisk here in my notes because sometimes I I hear Romans 5.8 or I hear the gospel afresh and it's like, hey, that's great and I know it, but it doesn't quite grip me. And so you may be sitting there thinking, okay, I've heard Romans 5.8, but it doesn't quite punch you in the gut. And if that's you this morning, I I would just say this, pray Psalm 67.1, ask God to be gracious and bless you, make his face to shine upon you in making that punch you in the gut. That's a weird idea, but what I mean is let, let God grip you again with the glory of the cross. All right, that's enough about one and two. Verse three, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. God's desire, what is God's desire for you and for me? It's that we praise him, that we think highly of him, that we exalt him that we lift him up, that when, when in our songs we're singing about him, that we really mean it. A.W. Tozer put it this way. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. To see God as small, and I would just say it this way, to see God as not what the scriptures tell us he is like, to see God other than how the scriptures reveal him as small, insignificant, that will stifle our worship. It will shrink our hearts, and I would say it would suffocate the spiritual life. But if we have a big picture of God, and he is as magnificent and glorious as the scriptures tell us he is, our worship will rise to the level of how we think about him. God's desire for us, for you and for me, is that we praise him, that we think rightly about him, and that our hearts respond to that level, that we, I would say, enjoy him. And so if the point hasn't been clear enough, look at verse four. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations on earth. Selah. I love the scriptures. God desires that you and I are glad. God's care is that we actually enjoy him. He cares about your joy. That's astonishing. God cares that you are satisfied and thrilled and pleased with who he is. And there's two specific reasons, and it's probably super fitting after an election. Uh, There's two specific reasons the psalm gives to be happy about him. The first one is that God judges the peoples with equity. God is fair. God is just. He is righteous. He is holy. And God guides the nations. Think about that. He guides the nations on earth. 
That means that God rules, he reigns, he is indeed king of the nations. That's reason to be happy in him this morning. Verse five, I said one of the things I love about scripture is that scripture interprets scripture. The other thing I love about scripture is that scripture repeats itself because I'm a slow learner sometimes and I just need people to repeat things and so God is gracious because he does it again and again. Well, here's a repetition. Verse five is verse three. Verse three is verse five, all right? Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. And the only thing I'll say here is, is the repetition of scripture is simply highlighting the importance. If it wasn't important enough that this is the word of God, God is highlighting the importance of what he is saying. He really does desire that we think rightly and highly about him and that we enjoy him as that God. Verse six is, is interesting and also fitting because we're in Iowa and this is an agricultural culture. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. And probably the best way to understand this is to think about what God told Israel they would be entering into. It was going to be what? A land flowing with milk and honey. He says even in, uh, I'm thinking of, what am I thinking of? Malachi 3.10. He says, man, I'll open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And I think it's easy to, to look around and just see the corn like growing and then we go and harvest it like the earth is yielding an increase for us, which is incredible in itself. But I think what that picture is actually pointing to most clearly is the increase of the people of God. And this happens several times throughout scripture. The first that we, that we really see it clearly is with Abraham. And God says to Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants like the sand on the seashore. I don't know if you've ever been to the beach. That's a lot, okay? And he says in Genesis 15, 5 and 6, he says, Hey, Abraham, uh, go outside. Look at the stars. Number them if you can, right? And he's like, that's how I'm going to make your descendants. Or consider Genesis 1, 27 and 28. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. There it is again. And God blessed them. And God said to them what? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that creeps on the earth. So what does God desire? We're thinking about this idea of increase. But what does he desire for you and for me? He desires the filling of the earth the fruitfulness of his people, the multiple, I would even say the multiplication of his people. Another way to say this is, is God's desire for you and for me is the spreading of the passion for God himself and the spreading of, of people that enjoy him. God's intention and design is to fill the earth with people that are crazy about him. And then there's this forward-looking phrase, God our God shall bless us. Well, how do you know that he shall bless us? Well, all Israel had to do was look around and say, it happened once, here we are, God has increased us, and we believe he will increase us more. And we know today that God is doing this all over the world through Jesus. Then lastly, at verse 7, 
Why is God bringing an increase? What is the point of that increase? God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Fear of God here is, is something I think that we can, we can miss or just immediately interpret and apply. Okay, fear, that means I'm afraid and I'm scared. And, and there's a place for this, right? Jesus said, hey, don't be afraid of the one who can kill the body, but then after that can't do anything. Be afraid of the one who can kill the body and then send the soul to hell. <laughs> He's like, okay, that's like strong language, right? But that's, that's, there's a place for that right kind of fear. But the fear of God here is more of awe, wonder astonishment. I like mind-blowing. I do this often. This is my mind-blowing emoji. That was a joke. It's okay. <laughs> my mind-blowing emoji. I can't find that in my phone. But that's, that's more the picture of, of what I'm talking about. Before we came back from Ukraine this time uh, for this little furlough, hiatus, baby trip. That's what I'll call it, a baby trip. Uh, before we came back, I, started, I was reading through Mark, and, and I had the pleasure just of meeting with Jesus morning by morning, reading through Mark, chapter at a time. And what happened was interesting because I didn't expect it. Jesus kind of stopped me. I don't know if you've ever had this, but I was reading the scriptures. I'm like reading through, okay, the disciples are out on the, on the sea, and then Jesus like walks to them out on the water, and Jesus said, whoa, 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 hang up. Read that again. Think about what you just read. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, and they walked on, and I said, Wait a minute. Started thinking about it. And then I stopped and I was like, he walked on water. Like, that's incredible. Jesus, what, have you walked on water? Is it, do you know anyone who's walked on water? No. Okay, Jesus walked on water. There's another story, and, and this one grips me because I have a daughter. Uh, there's a father who, who knows his daughter is dying, and he goes to Jesus. He hears about him, and he says, Jesus, can you come and heal her? I, you're the only one who can do it. Please, come, heal my daughter. And so they're going. She dies. His daughter dies. And, and they get there, and, and people are mourning, and they're lamenting. And Jesus turns, he tells the father, don't be afraid. Only believe. He goes in. He looks at her, picks her up, and says, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she gets up. Jesus raises the dead. This is what I mean when I'm talking about the fear of God. I'm, I practiced this sermon a few times. I, this is not acting. I actually have goosebumps. I actually am excited that Jesus walks on water. He raises the dead. That's the kind of fear of God that God desires from you and from me. So does he grip us? Does the truth of who God is really blow our minds? So again, enjoying God. That's the theme here that we're seeing, enjoying God. That's God's desire for us, being satisfied in him, being happy in him, that we would love him with all of our hearts and minds and soul and strength. So the question at this juncture is really simple. Do we enjoy him? Do you and I really enjoy God? Are we happy in him? Because that's God's desire for you and for me this morning. All right, we're going to shift gears. That was a lot of shifting for one gear. Uh, we're going to shift gears to the joy of the nation. So now that we've gone through kind of verse by verse, we've looked at this text. 
We're going to look at it now and think about the joy of the nations. So what does God now, this is the question, what does God now desire for the world? I love Psalm 67 because it gives us a biblical vision for the world. If you're wondering what God is all about, here it is. Note just the references, just the repetition that happens in Psalm 67, that your way may be known where? On earth, the whole globe. That your saving power be known where? Among all nations, every last one of them. That the peoples would praise you, oh God. Which peoples? All the peoples. That the nations would be glad and sing for joy. That God is the God who judges the peoples. God is the God who guides the nations. The earth, the earth, the whole world has yielded its increase. There are Christians coming to Christ all over the world. The earth has yielded its increase. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. God's sights are on the world. His desire is for all people to praise him, that all the nations would see his salvation. His desire is to make his way known on earth, that all the ends of the earth would fear him. And I think the key here is, is that God is actually worthy of the praise of every single person on earth. If you take a breath, God is worthy of your praise. John Piper put it this way. He said, missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. God is worthy to have the entire world worship him. But because the entire world does not worship him, that's why we do missions. You know, we get questions about, well, why, why move your family to Kiev, Ukraine? Why suffer there through the various ways you suffer? It's because there are college students who don't know him. It's because there are people who don't worship him, and he's worthy of it. And I would say this, if we're not hard after missions, then I don't think we truly believe that God is that worthy. The joy of the nations, it's God's aims. Let me just, I'm just going to connect these two themes, and then I'll conclude. Missions exist because worship doesn't, that's true. But I would say that worship is the fuel for missions. So lest we think that, oh, now I got the conviction bug and I got to go do something, let me just simplify it. Worship is the fuel of missions. The more that we enjoy God, the more that we will be driven and motivated to finish the work of missions. The more that I enjoy him, the more I long for these college students that I work with in Ukraine to enjoy him. And, and there, so that's kind of first layer. There's another layer to this. Uh, can you find the picture? There's a picture, I think. Next. There it is. Okay, so Je that's, yeah, Gemma's a fish. Uh, that was her Halloween costume last year because she didn't know what Halloween was. And then this year, which she's sort of getting the idea of, but I saw this principle really work in, in trick-or-treating. So we went trick-or-treating last week, 
And, and I remember kind of the joy I had. There's this sea of darkness, and I walk out. I'm looking for the lights right on the porches because that's where the candy is. And so I went, and I got candy, and it was fun, and I enjoyed trick-or-treating. But then I realized there's, there's it's one thing to enjoy trick-or-treating. It's an entirely different thing to have your daughter and enjoy trick-or-treating through her, right? And so we're going up to these houses. We're walking on up. Got my little fish. Hold, she's holding her basket because she's kind of afraid. And I say, can you say trick or treat? Took a tweet. And I'm like, that's cute. And so then they give her the candy and she's like, pull her away because I'm holding her right. And I said, can you say thank you? Thank you. Well, we did this a couple of times and she started to get it. And we stopped at one house because we we're like talking with them, you know. And she's like, more, more, more. And she's like walking to the next house because she got it, right? She started to enjoy it. And I was like, man, my little heart melted on the floor. If you go to the next picture, there she is. Look at that little foot. She said, I got some candy. You're like, yeah, you're cute. And so my joy, actually, this is what happened. This is the other layer. My joy was actually multiplied in seeing her enjoy that process. And I think that's the secret to evangelism. That's the secret to missions. I enjoy Jesus, and I'm motivated to help other people enjoy him. But my joy gets multiplied when I see other people enjoy him because of me. Missions worship exists, sorry, missions exist because worship doesn't. And that logic kind of works in reverse, right? If I'm not passionate about missions, then it's likely that I am not enjoying God. Or at least not enjoying God as I ought to be, as God desires for me. In Acts 4, Jesus had given the charge of the disciples to go make disciples of all nations, right? There it is again, all nations. Go make disciples of all nations. And then in Acts 1, he says it this way. He says, you, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There it is again, the ends of the earth. You're going to be my witnesses. And then he ascends to his throne and the disciples, man, they get after it. They get really excited. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They start telling people, hey, one time Jesus walked on water. It was amazing, right? And then he said, oh, and then another time you raised this girl from the dead. Yeah, I was there. I saw it with my own eyes. It was crazy. Like they were so excited about what Jesus had done. They started telling people. And people were like, well, didn't he get crucified? And they're like, yeah. And then he rose again. It was crazy, right? Like this was the exuberance, I think, that they had in going out and sharing about Jesus. There was an astonishment and a wonder. But the problem was that the, the, the religious leaders of the time, they just didn't like it. They had rejected Jesus. They had even crucified him. And so they dragged Peter and John in, and they, and they set him before this council, and they say, hey, knock it off. It's a loose translation. Quit it, right? And I love their response here. So this is Peter and John. And they answered them and they said, hey, look, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. <laughs> you can kind of catch the sass that they had, right? Just the, just the grit. You must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They couldn't help it. They were so excited about Jesus in what he had done and accomplished, so excited about the reality of God 
that they couldn't help but go and tell the world. Enjoying God for the joy of the nations. All right, here's my conclusion. I'm going to wrap up. So we work in the college ministry uh, in Ukraine, the, the college ministry leaders for the navigators. There are other college ministries with probably like handfuls of students, right? But we had the chance to sit down. We had worked with uh, the other largest. It was like the largest college ministry, the greatest structure, the most staff, uh, probably the largest reach. And so we were sitting down with some of the leaders of that ministry, and I said, hey, wh what, what's kind of, uh, what, what would you say is the engagement, right? How many students would you say are, are attending Bible studies, you're sharing the gospel with, or, are coming to your events? And they're like, oh, probably like 500, around 500. I said, man, hey, praise God, that's great. Because I, if, I, if I look at myself in Kiev, I'm like 500 students, way too many. I can't handle that many students. So I was like, praise God. And I said, oh, so that, that's like in Kiev and then, you know, in all the other cities you have more. And they're like, no, that, that's like throughout the whole country. And I stopped and I was like, oh, my word. Because I started doing the math. And, and, and I know that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, but that was one of those moments where I just got punched in the face by that truth. That the harvest is very plentiful. The laborers are very few. And so it took my breath away. And I started, you know, you start to like strategize and plan because it's like, well, this is just kind of what I do. This is my job. I gotta like think about how do I fix that problem? And I think what the Lord brought me to was, Jason, it's not about the numbers. And it's not about just getting more boots on the ground. Though we want more teammates. That would be great. We're trusting God for that. It's not about the resources or the money, the time or the energy that we can sacrifice. And I remember God saying to me, Jason, it's, it's about you enjoying me so deeply that you can't help but tell these Ukrainian students about me. And I think what the world needs from us more than anything, from its local churches from laborers in their own context, is that we enjoy God so deeply that we can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard. So may God be gracious to you, to me, and bless us, make his face to shine upon us, that verse two would happen, that his way would be known on earth and his saving power would be known among all the nations. Amen. Again, my name is Jason. Uh, my wife, Emily, daughter, Gemma, waiting for baby boy. You probably didn't need that context again. This is a reminder. But I'll be here for a little bit. I'm going to head back because I'm sort of like an on-call nurse. I think, I think nurses are on-call 24-7 and they just like wait for the phone call. I'm waiting for the phone call that says, I'm in labor. So, I got, so I'm going to drive back uh, soon after the service. But I'll stick around for a little bit. I've got some prayer cards. If you want to just get a prayer card, you can remember us. Um, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the, the prayers and the support and the love I think that you've shown uh, to my wife and I so that you can make that ministry in Kiev possible. Thank you. Before we go into a time of worship together, enjoying the Lord and all that He's doing in our hearts and lives at this moment, um, I want to take a moment just as a congregation to pray over Jason. And as Jason is standing here right now representing his family and also the ministry over in Russia, we just uh, want to take a moment right now and just lift him uh, and his family to the Lord. So would you just extend your hand toward him as we pray together. Father, you've, you've sent this family to the Ukraine. 
for a great reason and a great purpose. And right now as they're stateside, Lord, there's the gift of a new child that will be gracing their home. And we thank you for this. And Lord, I pray that as they are in this season of just enjoying you, Lord, it would build them up to bring the gospel in a deeper way to those in the region that they minister to. Lord, we thank you for the word that Jason gave today. Help us to be people who are so full of the life of Jesus Christ that it just spills out of us. It's not something we have to force ourselves to do because it is something that's supernaturally just flowing out of us. And so help us to grow in our awe and wonderment of who you are and the joy of the Lord. And we thank you for this, Lord. We ask your blessing upon Jason and his family today and their ministry. We lift them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jason. We're going to go into a time of worship.